This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio at the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play Doctor Online. And last weekend, last Saturday, uh, I was uh, I had been invited uh, to participate in a trivia contest thing, game thing, at a local bar restaurant uh, called Old Mexico. I was invited by a member of the Minnesota Skeptics, a woman named Nancy, uh, she and I are Facebook friends, and she sent me a message a day or two beforehand uh, saying, you're a fan of The Who, aren't you? And, I, and she says, we do this trivia thing, and on Saturday night uh, at 7.30, there's an hour-long game that the feature uh, question th- thing, that's <laughs> so good with words, uh, it is going to be uh, questions about the who, and she said, "We, you know, wondered if maybe you'd be interested to come down and help us win." And I, I re- replied, "Oh, bringing in a ringer, eh?" <laughs> and um, well, I asked Amy and Hayden. I said, "Do you think I should do this?" Yeah, and they said, "Sure, go ahead, go do that." Well, I had one concern right off the bat which was, I hate people, and I don't like being around. No, 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 that wasn't the concern. The concern was, is this going to be a Mighty Casey, you know, Mighty Casey strikes out kind of thing? They bring in the ringer, and then these who questions come up that I don't know the answers to, because I don't know everything about them. I, I, I know quite a bit about the band and the individuals in the band, and those have who have been in the band um, but I don't know everything so I don't know what kind of a trivia contest this is going to be how difficult will this be so I was a little concerned I'd go in there and 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 just freeze and do terribly so that was a concern but I figured okay what the heck so I um, uh, I got there and Nancy waved me over and I sat with uh, this group of people at the bar sort of a uh, it was a you know, U-shaped kind of corner to this bar, so you know, we were wrapped around that nice little conversation pit kind of a bar thing. So the bartender can walk up in between the whole group as we wrap around that end of the bar. And uh, there were I don't know six or seven other people down there participating in these tri- in the trivia contest, uh, the trivia game. Uh, it's something that they do frequently. And there are regulars down there that do really well, and Nancy is one of them that does really well. Uh, some categories, I suppose, better than others, but uh, they just come down and have fun. And it's it's not the situation where uh, there are several teams within the bar competing against each other to see who does best in the bar. It's uh, it, They don't have it set up that way, but it's individuals and there will be an individual who who will do best in the bar and this is all electronically done through the internets and, and all that kind of thing so uh, I had a little uh, iPad type uh, tablet kind of thing that you use to you know see the questions and lock in your answers and all that and uh, and Nancy's giving me the lowdown on how things work and, and what I need to do and uh, so um, and I get introduced around, and there's another fellow there. His name was Peter. It probably still is. And he, Nancy said, was the other guy of the group that was um, an expert or knows a fair amount about the Who. 
Uh, so that raised a second concern for me. Am I going to be superfluous? Is this guy going to be so good that I'm not even needed? You know, sure, just have fun and go with it. But I mean, I know maybe I strike out because I freeze. Maybe this guy's got all the answers anyway. So why would I need to be here? So, okay. Well, uh, and he's a regular and and pretty good at the trivia stuff. There are people that have that that good trivia recall and are quick and have that. I'm pretty good. I haven't done it in a long time. I used to be pretty good at the Trivial Pursuit. The, with the Trivial Pursuit would put out different editions, and they had the silver screen edition, which was all questions relating to movies. I kicked ass in that one. Oh, I did. I would, I would be my own team, and I would take on, you know, a team of my mom and my sister against me, or you know, other people. And I'd be my own guy, and I'd be, I kicked ass. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, okay, so. Nancy explains to me that there are six rounds to this hour-long game. Uh, oh, and, but she says, but it's not all about the who. Oh, well, the first four rounds are general questions about, uh, you know, music. And and so, you know, I should have just copied her, whatever answer she put in, because she did pretty well. Whatever answer she put in was, should have been mine, because as far as I was concerned... I'm getting. I'm there for the last two rounds, rounds five and six. So, it's, you know, I could, probably could have done a little bit better with points-wise, but I did okay. But I'll tell you, any music question that had something to do with uh, uh, any newer music, you know, something since so oh, I don't know the last in the last twenty years, I looked at it like uh, I've never even heard of this artist. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but okay, so. It gets to the reason I'm there. Re, you know, round five. Now, round five is ten questions, and they're multiple choice answers. And the way these trivia things work is uh, you can answer within, I think, three seconds or five seconds, and you get you lock in your answer, and if you're right, you can get a 1,000 points. If it goes beyond those first few seconds, then the point scale goes down quickly. So whenever you lock in, you might lock in at 666 points if you're Satan. And and, and, and if you get it right, you get that, that amount of points. So, so you want to lock in as quick as you can, especially if you're confident in the answer. And also with this round for the points, it, it you get more bonus points for consecutive correct answers they would tap on or, or tack on a 250 point bonus for each correct you know consecutive correct answer so they would build I think it would so so you get the first one if you lock it in at a thousand you get the thousand points and then the next question if you get it right and you locked in at a thousand you get that thousand points plus another 250 and then the next one if you get that right you get the, the thousand points plus 500 it goes up by 250 and I think that goes all the way through so you can build up a lot of points in 10 rounds assuming you lock in at a thousand and you get all the answers correct uh, if you if you don't lock in at a thousand, you'll still and you get the question right, you'll still get the 250 bonus. But everybody wanted to lock in, so we're all we're going all in. You know, we're all we're doing this, and so the questions are coming, and um, Peter and I are just we're just nailing them. And some of the questions would come up, and I would know the answer without even seeing the multiple choice uh, options. Uh, one of, for instance, for example. One was, uh, which member of the Who uh, had the nickname The Ox? So before even the first answer comes up, because I think they pop them up one at a time, uh, or do they put them all up? It doesn't matter. Um, before the answers come up, I'm saying, it's John Entwistle. Everybody, it's John Entwistle. So everybody locks in as soon as it comes up. So we hit the 1,000, and we got the bonus, whatever it was at that level. So as we're going through round five, got to one question that was, what was essentially the question was what was the last single the who released that that uh, uh, charted in the top 20 in billboard to hot 100 or whatever it was but the top 20 and they put up five answers and the first three i won't i you know i won't tell you all the song names but the first three i just eliminated right away i knew for sure but song number four was you better you bet 
off their Face Dances album from 1979, I think, or 1980, one of those years. And I, I, so I thought, oh, it's You Better You Bet. So everybody locks in, and then the next dance, answer number five, was Behind Blue Eyes. And I thought, ooh, could be that one. But as I, you know, as I gave it some thought, and this is all taking place in a couple seconds, uh, as I was giving it thought, I thought, no, no, You Better You Bet was a single, I'm sure of that, and and Behind Blue Eyes was an album cut, so I don't think that was ever released as a single. If it was, well, you know, I, don't, I didn't know that aspect of it. But turns out, You Better You Bet was the correct answer. And I think Peter was pretty confident on that one, too. So the other Who expert on the, on the panel. Okay. And we're still doing fine. We're still locking in at the 1,000 points. We're still getting those consecutive answers correct bonuses. And question number 10 comes up. And question number 10, I don't have it exact word for word, but uh, it said uh, something to the effect that in 2014, or 2014, uh, The Who released a single that was their first single release in eight years. What was its name? And then these five answers come up. I can't remember what the first four that came up, but answer number five, or option number five, was, was Be Lucky. Now, Peter looks at me, and he's shrugging his shoulders. I don't know. <laughs> and I said, Be Lucky. It's just, a, I just, Be Lucky. Everybody lock, Be Lucky. And they say, you sure? Yes, Be Lucky. So everybody locks in. The answer's revealed. And it was be lucky, and and so so my first well my second concern uh, of would I be superfluous? Hey, look at that! <laughs> and and my first concern, you know, by that point was was I felt fairly confident I was going to do fine because I was nailing all the answers. Like I said, the one that I paused in question was that you better you bet one. All right, so that's round five done. We got as much as many points as is possible to get everybody did everybody gets those points so okay so the the internet is keeping track of your points and how you're doing and all that because not only are you competing against the individuals in within the bar but your bar is competing against other bars and restaurants that do this trivia thing around the country okay so round six comes up and um Nancy's explaining to me before it comes up. She says it's just going to be one question, and you wager however many points you want to bet to risk on getting that question correct. And it's the limit is fifty percent of your points, and these are the points that you've accumulated through the first five rounds. You can you can stay stand pat and not bet any points, but if you if you want to live dangerously. And you want to, you know, you want to, you know, no guts, no glory kind of thing. Go 50%. Everybody locks in at 50% in their wager. The question comes up, and it's one. It says uh, one of these albums is not a Who album. Essentially says that. And I, you know, it was like uh, I don't know, a quick one, uh, Live at Leeds, Misfits, uh, Quadrophenia, Who's Next. And or not not necessarily in that order, but number three with Misfits. And well, I know the other four albums are Who albums, so obviously it's easy. And I and I never heard of a Who album called Misfits, so I just rang out. It's Misfits, and I think Peter was echoing me at the same time. Misfits, Misfits. Everybody plugged in Misfits, and we wait for the answer reveal. And while we're ans waiting for the answer reveal, this is how good some of these guys that were down there are at the trivia. There was a couple of them saying, wasn't that a Kinks album? An album by the Kinks, wasn't it? And it was an album by the Kinks, apparently. Uh, I looked it up today. It was uh, uh, released in 1978 by you know a contemporary band of the Who, uh, the Kinks. Okay, so the answer comes up, and of course, Misfits is correct. That was the Who album that wasn't released by the who or at least one of your options that wasn't released by the who so we did as well as could be done in those two rounds about the who and so i didn't strike out i wasn't mighty casey striking out and i wasn't superfluous because i could provide one answer <laughs> that the other who expert could not provide so uh the 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 tabulations go up 
and we look at the board, and so the, the, the person who ranked highest within the bar is a woman named uh, Evelyn. She did really well that night, so everybody congratulates her. That's great. And so now we're waiting to see how we ranked in the country. And Nancy told me, I think she said that they, they post the top 20, the top 20 uh, place people, uh, bars, restaurants. And um, so they're waiting, and when it comes up, Okay, we weren't number one, but we were in the top ten. We came in in eighth place. And Nancy said, that's good. That's that's really good. And she called across to Peter, and she says, it, it, eighth's the best we've done, isn't it? And he looks over, and he says, by far. And then he points over at me, and he thanks me, because you knew the answer to number ten. So there you go. Huh? Huh? And I stuck around and played another trivia round of trivia games, and I did okay. But you know, uh, I will I go back again? Well, if they have another Who night, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but it was uh, I don't know. I, I, I my son, I, I I really prefer just to be home on Saturday nights. Really, I do. I just prefer to be home. But um, who knows? Well, you never know. I might show up again, but uh, I had a good time. So thank you, Nancy, and the folks there. When I uh, I stuck around for a little bit longer, but then I had to get home. So you know, because the show has to be uh, set up so that it plays at eleven o'clock Central Time on ZTalkRadio.com. I have to make sure that happens, and then I hang out in the chat room. So if you guys have nothing better to do on a Saturday night, and what is there to do on Saturday nights? I mean, seriously, really, go to a trivia contest night at some bar. Uh, I, well, I suppose. Anyway, if you got nothing better to do on a Saturday night, it's 11 o'clock Central or whatever time that is in your part of the woods, uh, just, you know, go to ztalkradio.com, go out to the listen and chat option and and uh, page and, and, and get in there. They might have you sign up. You can just go in anonymously if you want or whatever and just, uh, you know, listen and chat through the page. Hopefully it'll work for you. Some people's browsers uh, have had problems. I've mentioned that in the past. But it was a good time. It was fun, and I'm glad it all <laughs> essentially uh, worked out. Uh, let's see. Do I have time to do this one? No, I don't. What I'm going to do is I'm going to mention this. I saw this a little bit ago. Um, you guys know who who Roseanne Barr is, right? You know she's a comedian actor. She had that TV series in the 80s, I think it was, 90s, 80s, 90s, called Roseanne. And it was about this blue-collar family struggling to make it through. I think they won a lottery or something and whatever. It's just, all right, so there's that series. I never watched it, but uh, um, Amy watched it. My wife watched it. I think she liked that show. Um, I never watched it, but uh, but that's not, I'm not saying that with a point of pride. I'm just saying that I never watched it. And um, apparently... Much like what NBC is doing with uh, Will and Grace, or has done with Will and Grace, they're bringing back the the show. They're bringing back uh, the most of the original cast, uh, and the, and and they're just kind of uh, uh, twenty years later or whatever it is. What are they up to? What are they now? What are they doing now? Well, apparently, um, Roseanne Barr, ha or if she just goes by Roseanne now, I don't know. She has uh, she has uh, raised some eyebrows among the fans of the show because she has let it be known that her character in the show is going to be a Trump supporter, and people are very upset. And she's, you know, the Roseanne is saying, "Hey, look, we want the show to to reflect reality, reflect reflect the real world. There are plenty of blue collar folks in America that support." President Trump, and we we want that to you know want to show the reflected. So she's she's gonna she's gonna be a Trump supporter. Now whether that's going to be the whole focus of the show, you know, probably not. And the article I was reading said that there was no word on whether there'd be somebody opposing her. You know, like all in the family, uh, Archie Bunker. Uh, was able to get away with all his racist talk and prejudice talk, you know, his using term terminology, because he was constantly being reprimanded by his son-in-law, Michael Stivic, or Meathead, said the liberal. 
See, that's that's part of how Norman Lear got away with it. Because if it was just a show with Archie being Archie without having somebody to be his foil, to be his to be his his conscience, to be needling him constantly, to be speaking back to him, if he didn't have that, it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked. It would be just promotion of racism. It would, that's how it would look. But having Michael Stivic, having Meathead on there, made it possible for Archie to to espouse the views he did because you had, uh, you know, you had Meathead instantaneously uh, pointing out the error of Archie's thinking. Okay. Well, maybe there'll be a situation like that on Roseanne on the new show. But I got thinking. Now, I don't know if this is how it's going to go, and I don't plan on watching the show. If you watch it, let me know if I turned out to be right. There's been a lot of talk that I've seen on the, on the Facebook since uh, since the election, since Trump is president, where people have been saying, you know, or wondering, how are the, all those blue-collar people feeling now having supported Trump? Do they still support him? Are they regretting the support? What's going on? You know, Roseanne might be using this as a way to show folks who are in the blue-collar world who might still be supporting Trump but feeling very uncomfortable in doing so and feeling maybe this nagging idea that they made a mistake. She might be opening this door for them by using her character to be a Trump supporter, maybe coming around to the idea that I've made a mistake in changing her mind. And that might help those other people in America see the error of their ways if we agree that it is an error some of us do some of us don't that's how it is in, in, in America we're not and people who don't see it as a mistake they're not evil they're just by the rest of us our estimation and I'm making an assumption here they're just wrong I'm making an assumption that you guys agree with me so anyway maybe that's what she's trying to do now what I'm gonna try to do is take a break in fact, I'm going to be successful at it. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Please sit tight, and I'll be back. I promise. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. I am living on Channel Z. Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Delphal News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit doubtfulnews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Doubtful News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Doubtful News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Influenza season is upon us, and it can be a killer. But it's not too late to vaccinate. Usually, most cases of influenza in Minnesota don't even occur until January or February, and the season lasts all the way through April. Get a flu shot now, and you'll protect not only yourself, but those around you. See your doctor or visit mdhflu.com to find a flu clinic near you. This message from the Minnesota Department of Health. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Warm. Leatherette. 
and welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z Talk Radio Network. At Z- oh, god damn it! And now <laughs> it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic <laughs> moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. You know, I knew it was there. I knew it was going to play. I did. I, I knew. And yet, I was thinking to myself, "Don't say anything." Let it play. And what did I do? (laughs) All right. I have a pedantic moment. And this is going to be a spoiler for a movie. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen this movie. It's been around for, what, 94? Something like that. Uh, The movie I'm talking about is uh, The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, so, if you haven't seen it, see it! For crying out loud, I've recommended it before. I'm going to make it the movie recommendation for this week. Why not? Because it's awesome. It's great storytelling. It's a terrific movie. It's good acting. It's I think it's I think it's great. But there is something in there that uh, I'm pedantic about. And um, in order to get there, I have to sort of I have to spoil the movie. I'm sorry. So move ahead if you want for a few minutes to, and then check and see if I'm still talking about it and then go back you know, and, you know, if I am. Because I'm going to spoil this. All right, ready? All right. Um, in the movie, Tim Robbins plays a fellow named Andy Dufresne who is sent to prison for the murder of his wife and her lover. Uh, it turns out he didn't actually do it. We do find that out in the movie. We're not so sure at the beginning, because it really does look like it. the conclusion that the court comes to is that uh, he's guilty, and they send him to prison. And this takes place, I don't know, the 1940s or something, post-war. Yeah, post-war. Uh, post, yeah. So it takes place back then. And um, it, it's Andy's a real kind of a weird, you know, fish out of water, kind of in a prison. You know, like who's who's good in a prison, but he's he's he's, he's a different kind of guy. And because uh, he was a banker on the outside, real smart and all that, so how in the heck do you end up in a prison? Uh, especially if you didn't really kill your wife and her lover. Well, okay. He, um, at one point in the film, he asks uh, Red, his friend Red, who's played by Martin Freeman, which, who's great. Martin Freeman's one of my favorite actors. Uh, and he, uh, Freeman narrates the film, and he plays this character who, who can get things for people. He has this way of, uh, you know, if you need something, he can get stuff, little, uh, little perks, little extra things for you that, uh, that maybe you're not supposed to have, but he can, he has ways. You just give him, you know, some cigarettes or some money or whatever you can do. And, um... Andy comes to Red and says, I, 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 you know, I'd like you to get uh, Rita Hayworth for me. Now, when he first says, when you first see the movie and he says that, he's like, would you get Rita Hayworth into the prison? You get, what? Well, Red gets a poster of Rita Hayworth. Who, by the way, oh, wow. I saw some, just a clip of a movie that she was in where she's dancing and singing and all that, and she, and she, wow. She was stunning. <laughs> Oh, wow, look at that. Okay, so he gets the poster. Now, why does he get the poster? Well, he's discovered that the wall that is on one side of his of his prison cell is is is, is kind of weak. It, I mean, you can dig through it. It's not super weak, but it's just a little hammer. He can chip away and, and work his way through it. He gets this little rock hammer to shape rocks for his making chess pieces. So he can dig through this. Now... There are some things. <laughs> it's 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 very convenient that Andy's cell is at the end of the cell block, uh, at a, with a wall there that apparently is is incredibly thick, because <laughs> the wall goes on forever when he crawls through to uh, you know, get out of his cell, because he tunnels, he starts digging, and what he does is is he puts the the Rita Hayworth poster over the over the hole, so and he, you know, you can't see that he's digging his way 
through. And he, and he takes, it takes a long time and patience. And he just works on it and works on it at night. And he just works on it and works on it and works on it. And, and okay, so we, he finally gets to the point at which he's going to make his escape. And uh, the film sort of backtracks to show you how he did it. They just show that he disappeared in his cell one day. Uh, and and what the hell happened? And then they they backtrack to show how how he did it. So we we, we learned that he's digging behind the poster. And it's as it's, not only is it convenient that he's at the end of the cell block, so he has this incredibly thick wall that he digs through. But it gets to an area that has a conveniently placed a sewage pipe, which is conveniently sized so that he can 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 break his way into the pipe with a rock that's conveniently there and strong enough to break through the metal of the pipe. And it's and I said it's also conveniently sized so that he can get in it and crawl through it, which and it's convenient that when he's breaking through the pipe that there's a storm going on with the lightning and the thunder, you know, the thunder covering the breaking, you know, the hitting of the pipe so that nobody really notices. All that stuff is very convenient. <laughs> and so he crawls through the pipe and he he gets out of the prison and he escapes and okay, well, all right. That's all that convenience stuff. That's not what I'm pedantic about. What I'm pedantic about is when they show him make crawling his way through the tunnel that he's taken 20 years to dig through, whatever it was. When they show him do that, just before he crawls in, he 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 was he was doing bookwork for the for the uh, for the warden, and he was his own banker kind of bookkeeper, you know, having a prisoner that was a bookkeeper. And we see him taking off his prison clothes, and he's wearing a suit, one of the warden's suits. He's wearing it under his prison clothes. And uh, he also had a pair of his, the warden's shoes that he was wearing. And Martin Freeman, as read in the narration, says, well, who notices shoes? He could just walk through with the shoes on. He didn't put them in his pockets or something, since that would be too obvious. But nobody looked at his shoes, because who does that? And, and so, okay, so he gets everything together. He gets his suit off. He takes a, a cigar box that's got a bunch of his chess pieces that he's made. He puts these into some plastic that he's gotten from there. Nice, thick plastic, clear plastic, but it's nice and thick. And he puts the suit in there, and he binds it all up, apparently. And he gets it all taken, and he makes it airtight, because the suit doesn't get wet, and it doesn't smell like shit. Because he crawls through with this plastic bag with the shoes and the suit and the chess pieces in it through, what is it, 500 yards of, of, uh, of the sewage tunnel or the sewage pipe. And, and none of that gets wet or anything. But that's not what I'm pedantic about. Okay, I accept it. All right, fine. And I accept the fact that he's like a foot taller than the, than the, the warden. <laughs> or maybe not that much taller. But the suit fits perfectly. And the shoes fit. Eh, you know, that's pretty convenient. But again, that's not what I'm pedantic about. I'm pedantic about that pack with the suit and the stuff in it. Because, but not because it stays, keeps everything dry. No, it's because he has a bit of rope that he ties around his ankle and ties around this pack. So, and, and, the, and, the, and there's like a foot length of rope between his ankle and the, and the pack. So what he does is, he has this poster, which is now, you know, the poster changes over the decades uh, that he's been there, or the years that he's been there. Uh, it starts out Rita Hayworth, at some point it's uh, uh, Marilyn Monroe, and then Raquel Welch, which, by the way, <laughs> Raquel Welch. Uh, Marilyn Monroe's not bad, but, you know, Rita Hayworth, <laughs> Raquel Welch, whoa. <laughs> And it's the it's the it's the fur bikini she was wearing in that movie, what uh, ten million BC or whatever it was called, where she plays a cave woman that shaves her legs, <laughs> and plucks her eyebrows, and looks perfect. Anyway, so that night he has to he has to pull he pulls the poster back, you know, flips it up above his head, crawls into this tunnel which is just big enough for him to get in. He's got the pack tied to his ankle. He's crawling through the tunnel, so he's crawling into it. The poster somehow doesn't snag on his on him, on his feet, or on that pack, 
as he comes through. The poster doesn't... I would think that the poster would get caught because that rope, there's a bit of length there. The poster would come down and get pulled into the hole with him a little bit or wrinkled or pulled off. Somehow, it would get messed up and that pack might not go the, quite the right way and, and, and go across the hole and hold him up. So he was pretty lucky that it followed him in there. And it's, if, you know, because we see him come out of the hole on the other end and he, you know, he, his head comes out and he reaches up above him and he pulls himself up. And as he pulls himself up, his feet come out and that pack that's tied to his ankle drops down. So that's how it worked. So when the warden and the guards, when they go into the cell the next morning, when Andy doesn't come out for a roll call, the guards go in there, they see this empty cell. The poster is perfectly flat against the wall. And the warden comes in, and he's mad, and he's grabbing these rocks that are up on the window ledge that Andy was going to be using for carving, and he starts throwing them at the guards, and he's yelling at them, and he looks at the poster, and he says, what about Britchie Pants here, or whatever he calls her? And he throws a rock at the, at the, at the poster, and it goes right through. Boom. And that's when they find the tunnel. And I thought, how did the poster get back on the wall? How did he do that? Because he he didn't crawl back through <laughs> to make sure the poster was fine and then work his way backward. It, it's, it's just, so I just, I have to go with it. It's a great movie, great storytelling, terrifically done. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, hopefully you haven't been mad, you're not mad at me for ruining this. If you haven't seen it for a while, rent it or... You know, watch it on whatever you have to watch it on, because it's 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 freaking fantastic. It's a great movie, despite. Don't let my pedantry ruin it for you, okay? Despite that moment where I say, "How did he manage that? How did he get the poster back against the wall?" I just. He doesn't have a cellmate. He had nobody in on it. Nobody knew what he was doing. In fact, the way the movie sets it up, we're all thinking he's going to kill himself. How much time have I got? Oh, I got three minutes before I take another break. Gee whiz, who knew? I, I have a full plate here. I've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. Uh, I have a Dimland Radio Science Zero. I haven't done a Science Zero for a long time. Uh, this uh, Today I am crowning <laughs> or awarding uh, Charlie Daniels of the Charlie Daniels Band. You remember them? Remember they had that song, The Devil Goes Down to Georgia? You know, The Devil Goes Down to Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind. He was willing to make a deal. Remember that. Remember that lyric. Okay, so that's that's where everybody got to know who Charlie Daniels is. And I kind of like that song, but Charlie Daniels has this other song called uh, Long-Haired Country Boy. I really like that song. Um, yeah, okay, all right. This is on the uh, MSN MSN.com, uh, and it's uh, called The Rap, and it's written by Tim Keneally. And this was uh, this was posted, I think, on the 9th, uh, January 9th. And uh, I'll just read this. And and I'll, well, I'll just read this. Uh, Drop the chalupa and listen up, Taco Bell. Charlie Daniels has a message for you, namely that it's a mistake to take the Illuminati lightly. Do you know what the the Illuminati are? Well, that's or is it's supposedly one of those those secret groups that's controlling the world that the conspiracy theorists all believe in okay you know along with the bilderbergs and the and the and the and the trilateral commission and all kinds of other shadow organizations skull and bones and the freemasons and the you know they're they're all controlling the world and for some nefarious thing and if you watch the x-files you know they're you know they're, they they show up in that show or something like them all right Continuing with the article. The Devil Went Down to Georgia musician, noted conservative Daniels, took some time out of his evening on Monday to issue a grave warning to the fast food chain. Uh, his, his, uh, his tweet, or whatever he put up, his message that he put up, reads, Hey, Taco Bell, the Illuminati is not a frivolous subject. Daniels cautioned. Uh, let's see. Uh, while Daniels failed to elaborate on his warning, perhaps out of concern for saying too much, the musician was presumably referring to Taco Bell's recent Bell Illuminati 
campaign, which employs uh, it employs conspiracy-themed language and imagery to reveal the powerful connection between the dollar and Taco Bell, namely a line of menu items available for a dollar each. So they show that little the eye above the pyramid on the back of the dollar, and they turn it into the Taco Bell symbol, and they do it, you know, and they make it seem like it's a big conspiracy theory. Um, Taco Bell has yet to respond to uh, the rap's request for uh, comment on Daniel's words of caution, uh, possibly because they're awaiting guidance in response from the lizard people who control the Pentagon. But Daniel's doom signal uh, to the brand drew its own responses on social media. Uh, one response was, uh, quote, Charlie, how do you know Taco Bell isn't a part of the Illuminati making commercials mocking it to throw you off from the fact that they are part of it? Explain that to me. Uh, then there was a wait until you see the Bilderberg ad from Arby's. And on the same, in the same lines, and the Bohemian Grove ad from Hardee's. These are both conspiracy theory stuff. Uh, and then, uh, then there's one that says, "Welcome to Taco Bell, Mr. Daniels. Uh, can I take your New World order?" <laughs> uh, but my favorite, my favorite. Now remember, we all know Charlie Daniels because the devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind. He was willing to make a deal. And one person said this. Deals with the devil are not a frivolous subject. Oh, ten points to that person, whoever that was. And, uh, yes, uh, Charlie Daniels is a Dimland Radio Science Zero. Uh, but to balance it out, I have a Dimland Radio Science Hero. Oh, before I mention the Science Hero, I do want to give some points to a friend of the show and... Uh, um, uh, loyal listener for a little while now, uh, and Minnesota skeptic. It's Craig. Uh, Craig. Craig uh, gave me a, just gave me back a little bit of uh, excellent pedantry for my uh, for something I said on Facebook uh, today. Uh, I posted on Facebook that uh, that we, my wife and my son and I, are going to find to see Star Wars. This weekend, finally. And I said, damn it, we're going to see it. And because we haven't gotten around to it. It was busy, holidays, busy. You know, so we're finally going to do it. We, we got the plans. We're going to do this. And uh, Craig said, and that's how I said it. I, I'll, I'll read again exactly what I said. Uh, I, I posted, we are going to see Star Wars finally this weekend, damn it. And Craig responded, jeez. Star Wars came out in 1977, and you still haven't seen it? <laughs> I should have said, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Uh, good job, Craig. Ten points. Use them wisely. Okay, uh, I have a Dimland Radio Science Hero. I have two of them. I think I've talked about this these guys before, but I don't think I made them Dimland Radio Science Heroes because um, I looked back and I couldn't find it. I should really compile a list to make sure that I know who I've done. Uh, it is a comedy team from Britainland. Uh, the fellow, uh, fellows named uh, David Mitchell and Robert Webb. They had a show on BBC Two called That Mitchell and Webb Look, and it was a sketch comedy uh, satire parody show and uh, very funny and I've seen David Mitchell uh, uh, quite often on the uh, on QI which was a show that used to be hosted by Stephen Fry and I, and you can find them on on YouTube and they're great they, they it's, it's, it's it's a it's a uh, a panel a comedy panel quiz show sort of thing uh, where they have four actors and comedians funny people um, come on, and with uh, Stephen Fry, there's a new host now. I can't remember her name, but uh, she's also very funny. But I like Stephen Fry. Um, it, it, but I like her too. But Stephen, I just like Stephen Fry a little bit better. Um, 
and and they they just have a lot of fun on the show. So that's QI. Look up QI on YouTube. You can find some some stuff, and it's funny. Well, um, David Mitchell would be a frequent uh, panel member on the show. All right. So there's a, a series of videos that these guys have done that are on on, on YouTube that uh, sketch things that they've done on uh, on this that Mitchell and Webb look. And they include, there's one that's about the moon, the moon hoax. There's one that's about, um, uh, I think it's general conspiracy theories, um, including the death of Princess Diana. I, I, that's in there. Uh, and there's a Aliens one. And, and the way they do those sketches, they have uh, three people. They have, uh, uh, they have Mitchell and Webb, and then they have an, uh, an actress, uh, I don't know her name, um, the the three of them are sitting around a table. It's it's it, they're in a darkly lit room. Uh, it's very blue and it's cast. You know, kind of giving you the idea of X Files ish kind of look. And they're secretly meeting and, and discussing um, how to do this stuff. And and part of the moon hoax joke was that uh, well, in order to convince people, we're going to have to build an actual rocket to send up into space. So that people will see that a rocket got sent up, and 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 it, it, instead, it, so that when we do the fake part of the landing, uh, people will believe it more, and then it, it expands from there. It's funny, but the main one that I'm giving this to, and I talk about homeopathy on occasion here, but they have uh, what they call the sketch uh, homeopathy A and E. That's not arts and entertainment, I guess. Over there in Britain, Britannia, the uh, A and E means. Um, Accident and Emergency Department. Uh, we here in America land, we call it the emergency room in a hospital. And it's a, it's a, it's a bit where some fellow's brought in that has been in a car accident or something's got a broken wrist, he's got internal injuries, he's got all these problems, and they're calling for, uh, let's, get these, uh, let's get these crystals to put it here, and they, they, all this stuff. And it's, it's funny, and it's great, because it takes on not just homeopathy, but it takes on all this... You know this newage uh, nonsense uh, about healing energies and all this kind of crap. It's just you know it's just great. It's great. So uh, uh, David Mitchell and Robert Webb are Dimland Radio science heroes. Huh? What do you think of that? Uh, I want to give kudos to whomever put this out. Whoever did this little bit here. This is a, I thought I spotted it on the Facebook. And I thought I'd share because I think it's clever. I think it's funny. And uh, um, it's the last paragraph. <laughs> another spoiler for you. The last paragraph of uh, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Or uh, I think the subtitle is something. A Modern Prometheus. Is that what the subtitle is? But Frankenstein. You know, the Frankenstein. Where you know, Boris Karloff and all that, right? That's where, all, that's where it came from, from her book, which was written back in the... 1700s, I think? Early 1800s? It's a long time ago. Long-ass time ago. Anyway, so uh, somebody had put this image up there where they show the, the last paragraph of the story, and then there's uh, quite a bit of page that's blank, left blank intentionally, because there were no more words for the, for the story. And um, they wrote something in here, just kind of expanding a little bit on the story. I'm going to read to you. Uh, the, this is the, uh, maybe this was the, what uh, uh, Mary Shelley originally wanted to, to put in there, but the editors uh, said, ah, you don't need that last little bit. Um, it starts, He sprang from the cabin window as he said this, upon the ice raft which lay close to the vessel, he was soon borne away by the waves and lost in darkness and distance. Now that's what was in the book. Now I don't know what he said. Something on the page before he, he said something. This is what, what she put in there, I guess, what the, the editor took out. Or, well, some clever person put this there. Ten points to this clever person, whoever they were. As he drifted away, I could just make out his final words. It's okay if you just call me Frankenstein instead of Frankenstein's monster. I really don't mind. The end. I thought that was pretty good. I'll post that so you can look at it and see how clever people are. Okay. Um, hmm. 
Um, now I have to go on <laughs> about something. People are irrational. They have moments where um, they just act emotionally. Their critical thinking takes a back seat. The, the rational regulator in their brain takes a break. And, you know, this is common among human beings, all of us, including me, your humble host, of course. Uh, there's, you know, there's confirmation bias. Uh, you, uh, you know, I might have an idea that I think is correct. Um, and when somebody agrees with my idea, hey, how wonderful they are. Disagree with my idea. <laughs> And I'm going to want you to be uh, on your game to prove your right uh, in your idea for, for opposing me. If you agree with me, hey, hey, yeah. So that's kind of how, that's, that's how confirmation bias works a little bit there, uh, where we readily accept something that supports our worldview much more easily than something that refutes it. Uh, there are people that are pushing back on the idea that global warming is happening, that it's due to human activity, at least most of it is due to human activity, and we need to do stuff to keep it from happening and try to reverse it if we can. There are people pushing back on that because it doesn't fit their worldview. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. So, you know, if we, so they tend to look more skeptically at evidence that is shown to them that yes it's this is happening and yes human beings are largely responsible but then of course those of us who agree with it we are more likely to accept when somebody's given us evidence that supports that it's happening and say it without having necessarily uh, requiring them to be very rigorous even though they can be you know the the people that are giving us this this information they can have a very you know back it up they can back it up with the models and what we're seeing and the evidence and all this they can back it up uh, those that are denying it eh, a little more tenuous so you know so as a skeptic i need to guard against that and make sure that i don't fall victim to it but it's it's very difficult to not do it but um i will tell you something though and I've talked about this in the past. There is something that I'm very irrational about, or my rational, you know, my my rational regulator in my brain goes on the fritz when when we start looking at this, and that's sports, or more specifically, uh, football, American football, uh, but more specifically, the Minnesota Vikings. Now, those of you who were listening to my show last year will recall that uh, um, after the first five games of last year's uh, NFL season, the Minnesota Vikings were undefeated. Their record was 5-0. and They had a bye week coming up for week number seven, so they were going to remain undefeated, and they were the only undefeated team in the NFL, the entire league at that point. And a lot of Vikings fans were... They were, were having the Vikings teams lifting the Vince Lombardi trophy right there. Let's go. The Vikings are going to finally win the Super Bowl. And I, was, I wrote a blog at the time, and I talked about it on the show, and I said, settle down, folks. This is the Vikings. And this is, this is where my rational mind <laughs> gets a little iffy. Because 40 years plus i've been watching the vikings been a fan of the vikings the first game i remember watching for sure was the 1977 super bowl which the vikings lost it was the fourth one they'd been to and they lost all four of them they've never been back to the super bowl since they've been to five nfc championship games the winner of which would go to the super bowl to play the winner of the afc championship team or champion and the Vikings have managed to blow it five times that way. I won't go into all of them, but I talked more about it last year. But anyway, and so, you know, so many times burned, so much more shy. And it's just, I developed this, I guess it's a defensive mechanism. I guess it's kind of the, the pessimistic worldview. The, uh, and if I want to be a little more optimistic in, or, or, or charitable in how I define the pessimistic worldview, sort of the prepare 
for the worst but hope for the best, uh, or hope for the best but prepare for the worst. But actually, pessimism is uh, expect the worst and prepare for it. <laughs> and uh, I, I, fully, I, I do this, and I've done this for a long time, and it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek as well, but when the Vikings play, I just assume they're going to lose. It doesn't matter if it's a regular season game, a playoff game, or or Super Bowl. Of course, they haven't been to the Super Bowl for a long time. I just, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. They're going to lose. And even if they're ahead by 30 points, <laughs> I'll still say, yeah, they're going to lose. They're just going to lose. And I've taken to saying if they, when they win a game, I say they failed to lose. So I'm going to make a prediction about what's coming up in that mindset. <laughs> I don't, like I said, it's a defensive mechanism that's protecting me because I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to think that they're going to, you know, I don't want to be on the bandwagon just ready to fall off, uh, to get crushed because, or not ready to get crushed because I was so sure they were going to do it. Just like in 98, I was so sure the team was so powerful. They were beating everybody. And yet, they lost in the NFC Championship game to the Atlanta Falcons. It's like, what? How? But they did, and I won't go into the whole details, but they did. <laughs> and so I'm protecting myself. This weekend, Sunday evening, the Vikings will be playing the uh, New Orleans Saints. New Orleans Saints, that the, the, the team that uh, kept the Vikings out of the Super Bowl back in 2009, I think it was, when it, we thought they were going to do it. <laughs> but Brett Favre threw an interception at the end of the game, and... We went in overtime, and, and New Orleans won. So we might get revenge, but uh, you know, but the Vikings will lose that game. However, if they fail to lose, uh, they will either go to Flo uh, Pittsburgh, uh, no, Philadelphia the next week to face the Philadelphia Eagles, or they will stay home to face the Atlanta Falcons. If that happens they will lose that game. If they do fail to lose and they make it to the Super Bowl, here's the perfect story. Because this year, there is the potential. And it's a strong potential because the Vikings are really good. They have a really good defense. Have you seen the progressive ads that uh, have the... Uh, it's, a, it's a whole campaign where they have the uh, people turning into their parents... And there's a, there's one of those uh, turning into their parents' uh, anonymous meetups, where they have the folding chairs in a circle, and the people are sitting there talking about what they're doing when they're realizing they're turning into their parents. It's sort of an Alcoholics Anonymous thing. And one fellow says, "I said to my son the other day, defense wins championships." And the woman sitting next to him says, "Well, they do." <laughs> and I was watching it, and I said, "Yeah, they do." So the Vikings have a really good defense, and they've got an offense that's not bad. It's it's they you know we it's it's and their offense you know it's pretty good. It's not as stellar as it was in '98, but it's pretty good. And the but the defense is just and with the difference between this team and those teams is that those teams that that made it to the NFC Championship game but still lost didn't have the stellar off uh, defense that we have that this team has right now. And as a, trying to be a rational person, I realize it doesn't matter what happened those years. It's just what happens this year is just going to happen. It's not, it's not like there's a curse or a jinx or anything. I don't believe in that. But the Vikings still find a way. So the perfect Vikings story would be, as I was getting up to, this is the first year where it's possible for a team in the Super Bowl to be playing in their home stadium. It's never happened in the history of the Super Bowl. But this year, the Super Bowl is going to be here in Minneapolis, in U.S. Bank Stadium. So it's possible that the Vikings would be there. So in perfect Viking fashion, they would get to the Super Bowl in their home stadium and lose. <sighs> I have three cool things. I'm going to go over a little bit because i got to do it justice. Number three, the Vikings are in the playoffs. Yeah, the, and I mean, as, as as pessimistic as I am about it, the Vikings are in the playoffs, and we'll see how that works out. Number two, I went to the Minnesota Skeptics meetup 
this last Thursday, I really thought I wasn't going to make it because there was weather that came in, a storm, snowstorm came in, and there was an event that for my son that night. I mean, there are four Thursdays in a month. Four Thursdays in the month. The second Thursday of the month is the Skeptics Meetup. Which Thursday of the month does the school set stuff up? The second one. They've got four to choose from. They go for the second one. Because it happened last month, and it happened again this month. But we were able to get there and get through the event. You know, what was happening it was really cool, because, just stay put, uh, it was, and and I got uh, Amy and Hayden home before 7 o'clock, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go. And when I got there, I walked in, and they all looked at me, and they said, oh, we thought you weren't coming. Uh, don't tell me I didn't see the disappointment in your faces. I saw it. No, no, no. They were actually pleased to see me, and that, that felt nice. Uh, so I got to hang out with the skeptics, and and that's cool. All right, the number one cool thing from the week, the event that was Thursday night for my son. Uh, he it, it was a uh, an art gallery event. Uh, there's a uh, college, a local college, Concordia, uh, and uh, that's the name of the college, Concordia. I don't know if it's Concordia University or Concordia College. I don't know. But it, uh, it's having a showing. It's the 15th annual regional high school art show where there's paintings and ceramics and other kinds of art and photography included in the show. My son has three photographs that are in there. And they're really good, black and white photographs. I'm going to see, he's going to, he tells me that he'll get me the picture so I can put them on the show notes page so you can take a look at them. Uh, so we go for that and we see this artwork and a lot of it's really impressive for high school kids especially, but even still, I mean, just impressive stuff. And his, I loved his Hayden's photographs and um, they, they give out awards. And so the, you know, the one of the professors that was of, of three professors that were the judges for this gets up there and they give out a few honorable mentions. Then I think it was four third prize, uh, third place prizes were done, and there were two second places and one first place. And um, they they did the first honorable mention, and he talks about the piece a little bit. And the person wasn't there, the the, the student wasn't there, uh, but then he does the second honorable mention, and it was my son. Hayden calls his name, has Hayden come up, they hand him this little thing, and a little prize with a little plaque, kind of sort of a, a printout nicely, where they spelled his name wrong, two M's and Fitzsimmons, but hey, get used to it, kid. It's going to dog you your entire life. Anyway, and the teacher talked about what he liked about the photographs, what he liked about what Hayden, how's the composition, how he... You know, the, in, in between the pictures, if Hayden just had one photo in there that might not have uh, might not have caught the attention, but the fact that he had these three, so the comparisons between the three photographs also brought it up to the attention of the uh, or to at least honorable mention, and uh, so that was great and that was cool. And I hope I hope you've had at least three cool things happen for you uh, 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 this. Uh, this week. Huh. I'm looking at my thing here. Did I not take a second break? <laughs> oh well. I'm going to end the show now because you're going to hear this. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I took a second break. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. Uh, be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. I don't know what's going on. It's, it's this 2018 thing. It's got me all messed up. I didn't take a second break. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to hell. hell.